the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. My point to you is if you're a young girl or you're a young boy, if you want to be like Jesus, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. You're not like Jesus if you read a tweet. You're like Jesus if you start to study the Word of God, the law of God, the Scriptures of God. As a child, you come to have an understanding of the truth of God and the truth of God's Word. Amen. Hello and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch, and we're glad you are joining us for tonight's broadcast. Pastor Dudley is the senior pastor of Shepherd Church, which is one church on three different campuses in the greater Los Angeles area at Porter Ranch, Woodland Hills, and Agua Dulce. We'll be joining Pastor Dudley in just a moment, but first, we want you to know this program is called Lift Up Jesus because we exist to lift up Jesus and the life changing truth of the gospel. And we do this every night, Monday through Friday at 7 p.m. here on KKLA. No matter where you're listening from right now, in your car or your home or at work, you're about to hear bold, uncompromising teaching about faith, family, and daily life. We believe there is nothing like immersing yourself in the Bible each and every day to completely transform your life. We thank you again for joining us tonight. We know you're going to be enriched and encouraged by tonight's program. So let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message from God's Word. All right, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, if we can all grab a Bible. Today, everybody say today. We start a brand new series called Following Jesus is More Than Just Reading a a what? A tweet. We're asking this question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? If Jesus lived here today, are you with me? See, he was here 2,000 years ago. No technology, no Twitter, no Instagram, no Facebook, none of that stuff that distracts us. But if Jesus lived today and he had a Twitter account, and he was going to send out a little tweet once a day, I wonder how many of you would sign up and go, I'd like, to, I'd like to hear what Jesus has to say every day in my inbox. I get a little, just a little message from Jesus. How many of you would sign up for that? Yet yeah, you would all sign up. And did you know that one-third of the world call themselves Christians? And so write this down. I just believe that if Jesus were here, he could possibly have 2.2 billion followers. Possibly. Now, here's the point of this entire sermon series, and that is following Jesus is more than just reading a tweet. To be a follower of Christ does not mean that you know a few Bible verses. Some people think, well, I know John 3, 16, so that makes me a Christian. No, that doesn't make you a Christian just because you know a Bible verse. And so what we're going to do, what we're going to study 
is we're going to study Jesus because, it's my opinion, if you want to follow Jesus, you first need to know who he is. You need to know why he came. You need to know what he demands. You need to understand his calling. You need to understand his commandments. You need to understand his character. You need to understand his compassion. Paul wrote these words. He said, follow me as I follow Christ. Another way of saying that is imitate me as I imitate Christ. Well, how in the world are you going to follow Christ? How in the world are you going to imitate Christ if you've never studied the life of Christ? And so what we're going to do the next seven weeks, all the passages will be in the book of Luke. We're going to look at the life of Christ, and then you can decide, once you hear what he asks and who he is, if you want to truly imitate him, then you can decide if you want to follow him and serve him and live for him and imitate him. Can someone say amen? There are four things in this text that jump out at me, four things that amaze me, four things that struck me. Number one, write this down in your notes, is the importance of faith and family. And I want want you to begin this story in verse 41 and 42. Just want to read these two verses. Every year, everybody say every year. It's very important to the whole text. Not some years, not every other year. But every year, his parents, his parents, who are his parents? Well, that would be Mary and Joseph. Every year... Mary and Joseph, his parents, went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. That was that yearly feast in Jerusalem that every Jew was required to go to Jerusalem to celebrate the feast of the Passover, which they met to celebrate and to remember, to offer up sacrifices and to recall that moment years earlier where God had delivered Israel from the bondage of Pharaoh out of Egypt where they had been enslaved for 400 years. Every Jew had to go to Jerusalem to commemorate the night of the Passover. And verse 41 says that every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast. Verse 42 says, when he was, what, 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. Now, I just want you to know, we really, go back up, go back up and look at verse 21, okay? Go back up and look at verse 21, He's, he's eight days old, okay? He's been here a week and a day. He's just a baby. And it says in verse 21, on the eighth day when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name that the angel had given him before he had been conceived. And then look at the next verse, verse 22, about halfway down, the second half of verse 22, it says, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the what? To the Lord. Now, here's my point. We really don't know what happened in Jesus's childhood. All we know is what happened when he was eight days old, and we know what happens to him when he was 12. The Bible, the ministry of Jesus does not begin until he's 30, all right? When he's baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan, and then you have all the parables and the miracles and all the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, most of it is when he's 30 years. We don't know anything about his childhood. But let me tell you what we do know about his childhood, okay? We do know that God, when he was going to send his son Jesus into the world, 
that it was important to God that he would give his son earthly parents who were godly. It was important to God that baby Jesus would have the strength and the leadership of a man like Joseph and would have the godliness and the character of a woman like Mary to be the parents of this baby. Do you see that? God didn't just send his son into the world and gave him any, the parents don't matter. No. God wanted to make sure that Jesus had a godly father by the name of Joseph and a godly mother by the name of Mary. Do you see that? And my point is this, that it was Mary and Joseph, it was the parents who brought Jesus to the temple when he was eight days old and circumcised him and gave him the name of Jesus and obeyed what the, what the angel had requested. It was the mom and the dad that brought the baby uh, in Luke chapter 2, verse 22, to the temple and presented baby Jesus before the Lord. It was his mom and his dad who made sure that Jesus went to Jerusalem when he was two and when he was three and when he was four and five and six and seven and eight because it says that every year his mom and dad brought them to Jerusalem as was the custom. It was the mom and the dad that made sure Jesus grew up understanding the law and the scriptures. Do you see that? Now here's my question. It's a great question. If Jesus... The Son of God needed godly parents. Don't you think your children need godly parents? Because your child ain't the Son of God. Your child ain't the Son of God. If God knew that Jesus needed godly parents, don't you think that God thinks your children need godly parents? And if his parents brought him to the temple each and every day up there in Galilee in the synagogue, don't you think that you should bring your child every week to the church each and every week? And don't you think if his parents taught him the law that you as a parent ought to be teaching your child the law? I see a lot of similarities there. But what I'm blown away about is that God in heaven wanted his son Jesus raised in a home with godly parents. And if God wanted that for his son, I guarantee you, God wants that for your son, and he wants that for your daughter. The second thing I'm amazed at in this text is that they lost Jesus. They lost him. What do you mean they lost him? They, you know, like you lose your car keys, you can't find him. They lost Jesus. Look at verse 43. This is in the Bible. It says, after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, and they were unaware of it. Verse 44 says, thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a what? For an entire day. How is that possible? Well, I can explain it. It makes perfect sense. They, in those days, when they traveled from Galilee to Jerusalem for this feast, they didn't travel just the three of them. They traveled in a big group of people. Their friends, because everybody had to go. Everybody had to go. 
So they kind of loaded up things together just to make it easier, and they just traveled in a big group. Are you with me? And truthfully, we do know that sometimes when they made this journey, they actually let the women go first for all kinds of reasons. The men had some things they had to get tied up, and the women would get a head start, and the men would just gather and would catch up with them later along the journey. And I know what happened. Mary is with the women, and she just thought that Jesus was, was with the, she thought Jesus was with Joseph, and Joseph, uh, you know, he doesn't see Jesus. He just assumes that, that the boy, the baby Jesus, the boy Jesus must have been with Mary. Look at that verse again. It's thinking that he was in their company. They thought he was there. They traveled on for a whole day, and then they began looking for him among their relatives and their what? Friends, listen, I want to tell you something. Mary and Joseph walked an entire day and didn't realize that Jesus was missing. There are many people who've not lived just a day. There are people who lived a lifetime and not realize that Jesus was missing in their life. Because a lot of people just don't know. They don't know what they're missing. They're missing something. They don't know what they're missing. Now, you and I, we have Jesus living in us. Can you say praise God? But when you go to school, you go to work, wherever you go, there's people all around you. They're busy doing this. They're busy doing this. They're busy doing that. They, there are people that don't even realize that they're missing the Son of God, Emmanuel. And here's Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph don't realize that Emmanuel is gone. How much more are there people today that realize that they don't have the Messiah? And I believe it's your job and my job to help them find Jesus. Here's the good news, the good news, good news. As soon as they realized he was missing, they went searching for Jesus, and they found Jesus. And the message there is, I don't care who you are, if you start looking for Jesus, you will find him. Because the Bible says, the Bible says in Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And if you're here today and you're living your life and you don't realize what you're missing and one day you wake up and realize, hey, I don't have Jesus in my life, you can find him if you seek him with all of your heart. You can find him. The third thing that I'm amazed at are the el- that the elders were amazed. I'm amazed that the elders were amazed. Because I don't think the elders are amazed at anything. I think they've seen it all. They've heard it all. They've experienced it all. They're the older, wiser group. They sit around. You tell them a joke. They're not going to laugh at your joke. They're the elders. They're the teachers. They're the serious ones. They've seen it all. And all of a sudden, this little 12-year-old boy shows up, and the Bible says that they're amazed. Look at these verses, verse 46 and verse 47. It says, after three days, they found Jesus in the temple court sitting among the teachers and the elders, listening to them. And Jesus was asking them questions. And the Bible says in verse 47, everyone who heard him was what? Amazed at his understanding and his answers. In 41 times, everybody say 41. 41 times in scriptures, the Bible says that something Jesus said, something that Jesus did amazed people. This is one of those 41 times. He's, he's, now watch this, he's 12. He's 12. And yet he stands before the authority, the teachers of the land of Israel, and he's asking them questions, and they are amazed at what's coming out of this 12-year-old mouth. They're amazed at his understanding of the Scriptures. 
They're amazed at his understanding of the prophets. They're amazed at his understanding of the law. They're amazed at his heart and his mind, how it's so focused on the things of God. The elders of the land were amazed, and if they're amazed, I'm amazed. And my point to you is if you're a young girl or you're a young boy, if you want to be like Jesus, yeah, I want to be like Jesus. You're not like Jesus if you read a tweet. You're like Jesus if you start to study the Word of God, the law of God, the Scriptures of God, and you come to have, even as a, chi- as a child, you come to have an understanding of the truth of God and the truth of God's Word. Amen. The fourth thing I'm amazed at is the focus of Jesus, how focused he is. He's so zeroed in like a laser on what he's supposed to be doing. I want to read the rest of this text real quick. Verse 48. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. That's, that's another time the scriptures say that someone was stood in amazement. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. You know, you can hear the emotion in her voice. And Jesus says this in verse 49, uh, why, mom, mom, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? We'll come back to that. Uh, Verse 50, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. And verse 51 says, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. Every time I read something about Mary, it's, it's, she's always saying Mary treasured these things up in her heart. She treasured them up. I think whenever I read that, I think that later on, after Jesus dies on the cross and he's gone and she's missing him so, she goes back into that treasure of memory and she rethinks all the details of that story and it begins to all make sense to her. The Bible says in that verse 52, it says, and Jesus grew. Everybody say grew. He grew in wisdom. He grew in stature. He grew in favor with God and man. I want you to write these four things down quickly. He grew in four dimensions. Number one, he grew intellectually. He increased in wisdom. Wisdom is more than knowledge. It's more than an understanding of facts. Jesus understood, not only did he have facts, uh, but he understood life, and he understood the law of God. He understood the Lord. He, uh, He had an understanding that was beyond his age. Secondly, he grew physically. The Bible says in verse 52, he grew in wisdom and in stature. And what that means, that word grew, he grew, it means that he advanced. Now watch this. Not only did he advance physically but as he grew physically he was also maturing as a young man we have for some reason in our culture we have boys that are growing older but they're not growing in a mature way jesus grew physically but he also grew in a mature way number three write this down he also grew spiritually it says that he grew in favor with god and man he grew in favor with god some of us want to impress man but we don't impress god at all jesus jesus Jesus, the word favor means grace. Grace is a spiritual term. And Jesus exhibited grace, a spiritual trait, in dealing with God, in dealing with man, in dealing with others. And number four, he was focused on his purpose. And this is the gist of this story. This is the purpose of this whole story. In verse 49, he says, didn't you know, mom, that I had to be in my father's what? House. Another way of saying that, 
is, Mom, didn't you know that I had to be involved in my father's business? Now, here's the first key in becoming a follower of Jesus. If you want to follow Christ, if you want to imitate Christ, you must be focused on things that are eternal. That's this message today. You want to follow Christ? It's not reading a Bible verse. Following Christ means that your heart, your mind needs to be set on things that are eternal. Because, now watch this, because Jesus was focused as a 12-year-old boy, I had to be about my father's business. That's what enabled him later to go to the cross and say, not my will, but thine will be done. Because he was focused as a 12-year-old on eternal things, that's what enabled him to die for the sins of the entire world. My question to you today is this. What is, when he said, I had to be about my father's business, what is his father's business? What is God's business? God's purpose is to redeem the world. And Jesus was so laser-focused on his purpose, he knew that he was the one who had been sent into this world. Luke 19.10 says that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. And as a 12-year-old boy, he knew this. And because he knew it as a boy, it enabled him as an adult to live with eternal purposes in his mind. And I would say to you today, if you're listening here today, that God cares about your heart, your heart, your heart. And he wants your heart to be set on things that are eternal, right? The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. So we fix our eyes, we fix our eyes, not what is seen, but what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary, and what is unseen is eternal. Everything that you see is temporary. But you've got to set your eyes on that which is unseen. You see that school? That's a mission field. And every parent, every teacher, every coach, every adult, every student, when you walk inside that door, you're God's missionary. You don't look at all this and say, oh, I'm going to do this, this, and no. You have an eternal purpose where you're going to walk in and spend that day trying to make an eternal impact on the life of that school. And I guarantee you, if all these young people and all the parents and the teachers who stood If we all went into those schools with an eternal purpose, let me tell you, we'd begin to make a difference in this city. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. As you can tell from his message tonight, Pastor Dudley has a driving passion to talk about Jesus everywhere he goes and with everyone he meets. So often, a person has never heard the life-changing message of the gospel. Or perhaps they, at one time, experienced the transformation that is only possible through Jesus Christ, but now they're discouraged or in need of hope. If that is you, we invite you to reach out to us right now and let us pray with you. Our toll-free number is easy to remember. It's 888-818-4777. Again, that number is 888-818-4777. 
we have prayer counselors standing by and ready to take your call. As Christians, we are often faced with trials, sorrows, and struggles of many kinds. Jesus never promised we would be free from tribulation once we become believers. However, God does show us through the wisdom of His Word how to overcome and even rejoice in the difficult times we are experiencing. Some of the most essential keys to a joyful Christian walk are found in the small New Testament book written by James, the brother of Jesus. In his book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, Pastor Dudley Rutherford takes you through a study of the book of James and shares the spiritual disciplines necessary to help you persevere as a believer, even during the most challenging times in your life. Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith, can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. Call us right now so we can get this powerful resource into your hands. Our toll-free number is 888-818-4777. You will learn the powerful tools to encourage you in your faith, how to extend Jesus' love to others, and walk with Him daily with a smile. Our number again is 888-818-4777. And when you call, ask for your personal copy of Pastor Dudley's book, Keeping a Smile on Your Faith. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us again tomorrow night at the same time here on KKLA as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley.